So I've been talking to my wife, Tanya Tay, about Good Ranchers, and she's telling me that like, look, okay, we're in Lent, so we're doing the no meat on Fridays thing. But that being said, when we are eating meat, we are almost done our first box of Good Ranchers, and we're realizing that we haven't yet signed up because we want a case of this being sent to our family every single month. It, this is so good. And it's we've never really done this before, this idea that you get, you know, this, um, this meat that's sent to you, it's frozen, you throw it right in your freezer, but then it's already prepared. So what you do is you cook it, you can set it up, you can even get different things. You know, we wanna talk about what we want into our next case. Um, the one we got before, just delicious. I mean, we scarfed this entire thing down. Um, you got the ribeyes, T-bones, New York strips, signature steak burgers, the Wagyu. Um, they even have some of the chicken breasts that you can get. It's pre-marinated, right? So it's it's so delicious, it's easy to prepare. You throw it in and you're done, right? And for us, you know, working, having the kids, being able to have our dinner plans already squared away with something delicious. And of course, what does it do? It saves you from having to go and, you know, do that Costco run or that Safeway run. You don't have to shop as much because you know it's already coming straight to your door. It's going right in your freezer. It's already set up. Um, Good Ranchers meat, it's 100% American meat. It's delivered again straight to your door. This solves so many of these problems. It takes the guesswork out of the meat aisle and the grocery shopping. It's right in your fridge. It's easy, convenient, it is much less stressful. And believe me, in our lives, we have plenty of stress to begin with. The animals for Good Ranchers, they are ethically raised sustainably sourced. They do things the right way and it shows in every box. And just so you know, they are Christ followers and genuine Americans. So how do you get this? How do you get involved in this? You get $30 off and free express shipping. Goodranchers.com slash POSO. It's goodranchers.com slash POSO. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories. The United States has come out to say that they are sharing real-time intelligence with Ukraine as a firefight just last night broke out at a nuclear plant. We'll explain what happened there. Next, a U.S. virologist is now calling for an investigation of Wuhan and the surrounding Chinese labs. And here's the trick. He actually worked there. Next, the U.S. and Iran are close to reviving the Iran nuclear deal. This was something that President Trump had canceled in 2018. And then finally, China's restrictive family planning policies are planning to be abolished amid a population drop-off crisis. All of this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Well, without getting too far into details uh, of what we do, uh, for obvious reasons, um, we have consistently been sharing intelligence that includes information the Ukrainians can use to inform and develop their military response to Russia's invasion. That has been ongoing and reports that suggest otherwise are inaccurate. So there you have it. The United States, and I, I don't think this comes as any surprise to anybody, is sharing that real-time intel with Ukraine or as much as they can on the ground. Obviously, you know, communication systems are probably uh, under a lot of hindrance right now. I'm sure there's all sorts of cyber warfare operations that are going on behind the scenes that we're not even hearing. That being said, of course, we have been able to see numerous press conferences with the president of Ukraine. We've been able to see a lot of videos, of course, coming out of the war zone. This is probably the first war that we can really follow all of this in real time. And then just last night, uh, so I was live on TimCast IRL with Tim Poole and Daniel Turner and everybody else who was there. 
uh, Seamus Caffrey from Freedom Tunes. And all of a sudden, just before we were about to go live, we got this report that a firefight was taking place at a Ukrainian nuclear power plant, the largest nuclear plant in all of Europe, right on the banks of the Dnepr River. And so at first, you know, we're watching this thing in real time and you can see the soldiers on top of the roof of one of the buildings. It looked like it was one of the administrative buildings that were firing down. It was tracer rounds. You could actually see them at night and then artillery and troops on the ground, Russian troops firing back at those soldiers of the nuclear plant. What happened in this in the run up to all of this was that the Russian soldiers had arrived. They said, look, we have you surrounded. We have you outgunned surrender and we can safely transfer ownership of the nuclear plant to us. Ukrainian troops refused. And actually, you can see some video footage of what appear to be RPGs fired at the Russian troops. So they were fired at the Russian troops, then fired in response. Now, we did get reports that all of this settled down and now the nuclear plant is in control of the or the Russian troops do have control of the nuclear plant and they do have this safely. But throughout all of this, very early on, you saw these reports coming out saying that this that a fire had broken out and that this fire could lead to the nuclear plant going into meltdown the same way the Chernobyl had gone to meltdown. And that was simply not true. And it's it's entirely not true. No, I do not agree with this war. I don't agree with war in general as a political process. But at the same time, we are not going to spread lies and we're not going to spend propaganda in a time of war. We want this to end. We want it to be over as fast as possible. We want that ceasefire, whatever it takes to stop the killing and to stop the bloodshed. And lying about a nuclear meltdown at one of these things in order. And then we said in real time, so if you go and watch that um, Tim Pool episode, we're saying, look, you know what they're going to do. They're going to say, and you had uh, government officials and you had media that were coming out and saying this right as it happened, that this could go to meltdown and we're, uh, it could kill everyone in Europe. It could be this huge humanitarian disaster. It wasn't true. It just wasn't true. And then on the flip side of that, you had people, and we called it in real time, start, they started to say, we, this is why we need a no-fly zone, right? And understand what no-fly zone means. A no-fly zone means NATO enforcement that would go in. Now, Russia, of course, would not abide by the no-fly zone. So that means actual aerial combat between uh, US and NATO air fighters versus Russian fighters. So you've got jets actually going and shooting at each other. It's like we need to remember the rules of the Cold War. There's a reason that we don't go into shooting wars directly with Russia. We have these things called proxy wars, right? Russia conducted invasions when they were the Soviet Union. They invaded uh, Afghanistan. And during, also during the Cold War, we invaded South Korea and North Korea, uh, excuse me, um, Korea and Vietnam. So, of course, in that situation, the communists were trying to come down through um, both North Vietnam and North Korea, we got involved in both of those situations. Russia provided material support, but very little in terms of actual armed forces. And there's a reason for that, because once you go into conventional war with another nuclear power, things spiral out of control very quickly. It's also why in Rambo 3, you see Rambo going over to fight for the Mujahideen, and then you get that sort of infamous uh, final title card where it says this film was dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan, those same Mujahideen fighters, which then and went on to found the Taliban and, Al and work with Al-Qaeda, and then, of course, spiraled out of control and led to 9-11. Understand the law of unintended consequences. And so when Senator Lindsey Graham is out there calling for the assassination of Putin, you need to learn to go beyond step one. What is step two? Who's going to replace him? The Putin loyalists that will replace him, will they be worse 
than the person who is there now, understand your actions could lead to World War III, and that is what we must stop. I have always said, and will say today to you, John, that I still believe the most likely uh, origin is from an animal species to a human, but I keep an absolutely open mind that if there may be other origins of that, there may be another reason. It could have been a lab leak. I believe if you look historically, what happens in the animal-human interface, that in fact, the more likelihood is that you're dealing with a jump of species. But I keep an open mind all the time. And that's the reason why I have been public that we should continue to look for the origin. That so that, of course, was Dr. Fauci, and he's pouring cold water on the lab leak theory. It's, oh, we can't look into that stuff. Don't talk about Wuhan. That doesn't matter. The gain-of-function experiments that oh, it turns out that we actually funded, or the technology that it turns out this IP that China stole from us and then was using at Wuhan to conduct experiments that we don't even have any situational awareness or oversight of whatsoever. We can't talk about those things. That would be crazy, and in fact, it's been crazy from the start. Because a lot of people... And I can already see this, by the way, the narrative is already shifting away from COVID. It's now we're now focused on Europe and Ukraine and Eastern Europe and all of these things that people who have no connection or tied to the region whatsoever suddenly become these incredible, you know, everyone's gone from epidemiologists to foreign policy experts all of a sudden, whereas some of us have been saying from from just the start. What was going on in the Wuhan lab? That's a simple question. That's all we want to know and we haven't been given a satisfactory answer. Databases were deleted, doctors were arrested, scientists went missing, interns went missing, the whole website was put on lockdown, and there's been no substantive, actual, right, investigation of that lab. The only one, by the way, was led by Peter Doshak, the guy who was working to fund, he was the cutout for EcoHealth Alliance of the actual funding of the gain-of-function experiments. But now we've got a new email, a new email that's come out, and this is uh, given to us courtesy of a FOIA request from USRTK, US Right to Know, and this comes from James LaDuke, a biosafety expert and virologist who collaborated closely with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, outlined how he might investigate whether that lab or any other in Wuhan could be implicated in the COVID-19 pandemic, according to this email from USRTK. The email was titled, What Would Jim Do? And it, provo it proposes a set of questions and a survey of coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other nearby labs. LaDuke suggested a detailed examination of the work underway at each lab, including specimens from bats collected from the field, attempts to adapt coronaviruses to growth in cell cultures, gain-of-function research, the use of humanized mouse lines expressing human lung ACE2 receptors. Quote, if nothing significant was found, it would help reassure the world that it is unlikely that SARS-CoV-2 originated from the laboratory, LeDuc wrote in the email, which was sent to staff at the National Academy of Sciences, a FOIA request through the Texas Public Information Act request. In a separate email published last year, LeDuc expressed concerns that a lab accident would be more likely to happen at a less secure BSL or BSL-2 or 3 labs than the high security BSL-4 lab that has been the focus of international attention and concern. So essentially what he's pointing out is that yes, there is the main Wuhan Institute of Virology, but there are other sub labs and other facilities 
throughout that Wuhan region that are associated with this BSL-4 lab. And so what his point is, is that you could have had other situations where there was, uh, you know, hypothetically, a gain-of-function research experiment done at one lab, the culture is taken to another, the leak happens there, this gets out somehow, right? There's all sorts of permutations that I'm sure everybody can think of, and we certainly discussed all the way back early in 2020 to suggest how this could have happened. And anybody can come up with any explanation whatsoever. It could be malfeasance, could be somebody trying to sell something, you know, in the marketplace, and then it goes, whatever, right? Whatever it is that has something to do, again, having something to do with the lab. And now this guy, by the way, Leduc, this isn't just some, you know, random person, right? This is a guy who provided training, provided training to Chinese researchers who worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, including in biosafety, lab operations, and biocontainment. He's been traveling there to assist this lab and to meet with Yuan Zhiming, a director there, since 1986. Since 1986, he's been going there. Uh, LaDuke was the longtime director of the Galveston National Laboratory at the University of Texas Medical Branch until he retired in February 2021. The Galveston Lab and Wuhan Institute of Virology are two of three labs in the world that perform similar risky research on novel coronaviruses, according to Richard Ebright, Professor of Governors, uh, Board of Governors Professor at Chemistry and Chemical Biology at the Rutgers University. So you've got people that have been digging into this lab since the 1980s that have been working there saying that they don't think it's a crazy tinfoil, you know, fringe possibility. They think very clearly that there are ways that this could have gotten out or could have been leaked from a, a gain of function experiment. And obviously, obviously, we as free citizens are allowed to ask these questions. Number one, what was our government up to? What level of involvement did they have? Number two, what was the CCP up to in this lab? Was there something tied to this lab and gain of function? Was there something tied to this lab and the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, the Chinese military? The entire world has a right to know why so many millions of people died and we lost all of this money and all of this time being put in this precarious position from COVID-19 where we're still not even sure where it came from. Well, of course, we know there's a lot of unrest in the world, but if you want the best rest that you can get, I know, I know, the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, you go to MyPillow.com, look, you got towels that actually work. You got pillows that actually work. You've got pillows that you can give your kids. You got the Bible pillows. That's how we pass our traditions down generation to generation. For my kids, it's the Noah's Ark pillows. It's the creation story pillows. And it's the Holy Family, that nativity story pillow. We have them every night. Jack-Jack, when he goes to bed, we say, good night, Jesus. Good night, Mary. Good night, Joseph. Good night, sheep. So that's what we do every night. Because we have that MyPillow, we just make it part of our family culture. We make it part of our life at home. That's what we do. It's MyPillow.com slash POSO. And by the way, we sleep on them. We sleep on them every night. It's a MyPillow that we do the mattress topper. We do the Giza Dream Sheets. And of course, we do the actual, the actual you know, pillow itself. With my wife, when she found out that we had the promo code, she said, get rid of all the pillows. She threw out all the pillows in her house, replace them with MyPillows. If you guys want to do the same, it's MyPillow.com slash POSO. Got to get into this next story. The Iran deal is coming back online. While everybody's focused on Ukraine and everybody's fighting about the COVID mandates, it turns out that President Biden has been going around behind the scenes 
and reviving the Iran deal that was shut down in 2018 by President Trump. Here's President Biden describing it. Diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from gaining a nuclear weapon, and we discussed how best to encourage Iran to resume serious good-faith negotiations. I think we're continuing to suffer from the very bad judgments that President Trump made in pulling out of the JCPOA. And uh, so that's one issue, and that issue is going to depend on whether and how that gets resolved is going to depend on their action and the willingness of our friends who were part of the original agreement to stick with us and make sure there's a price to pay economically for them to fail to come back. With regard to the issue of how we're going to respond to actions taken by them against interests of the United States, whether they're drone strikes or anything else, is we're going to respond. and We're going to continue to respond. So here's my question about all this. Now keep in mind, by the way, we're working directly. We, when I say we, I mean the United States, not, not me, not human events here, is working directly with the Russians, right? And he says they're Russia, China, right? They're all working together on this. But I want to go back to something that Biden just said, and I've got his, his quote right here. Diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from gaining nuclear weapons. Think about that sentence. Diplomacy. So you've got a country that we view as an adversary, but we want to try to prevent what we consider bad behavior by that adversary. We want to, to guide their actions. So in this case, we're saying, let's make a deal, let's have a negotiation. Again, just, just following the Biden administration's logic on all of this. So they're saying the best way to do this is to de-escalate. And by the way, there's a huge issue here where they're trying to take the IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps, off the international terror sanctions list, right? That obviously would not be a good idea for a variety of reasons. Remember General Soleimani? That's that guy. Uh, he was the head of all of IRGC. So to take this entire group that actually conducts terrorist attacks throughout the Middle East off the list, probably not gonna be a good idea. But let's call out the double standard when we see the double standard. Because he's saying diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from gaining nuclear weapons. Well, if that's the truth, then why wasn't that the case when it came to Ukraine and Russia? Why didn't you say diplomacy is the best way to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine? Why didn't you say, let's go to the negotiation table, a serious negotiation table, and instead of provoking them, and instead of arming Ukraine, and instead of driving everything towards this war happening and taking place, you didn't take your own advice and say diplomacy is the best way to prevent this bad hostility from happening, right? Think about that for a second and ask yourself what the priorities of the Biden administration actually are in this situation. Why did they want a war in Europe, but they're willing to turn around and give Iran everything they want in order to prevent them from having nuclear weapons? And they think that's the best policy. Once you understand that, you will understand the corruption that drives this White House and understand that, again, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. China is headed for a demographic cliff. Russia is also experiencing demographic issues. And you better believe, by the way, that there are people within Russia who are or certainly within the Kremlin who are saying, looking at this Ukraine situation, saying one of the ways that they think they can probably deal with this population issue that they're having is by re-annexing or rejoining all of these 
you know, formerly Russian imperial lands into Russia, that's 40 million people. You can add that to the Russian population, right? I'm not saying it's the primary driver, but you got to understand there's all sorts of various different issues that are leading to this. The same deal now, we see the CCP, they're facing a demographic cliff, a demographic, demographic climb down because of their one child policy. And this was instituted back in the 1970s. And last year, or actually in 2020, we heard a Chinese speaker come out and explain why they were against the one child policy and what the CCP's reaction was cracking down on My name is Chen Guangcheng. Standing up to tyranny is not easy. I know. When I spoke out against China's one-child policy and other injustices, I was prosecuted, beaten, sent to prison, and put under house arrest by the Chinese Communist Party. The CCP is an enemy of humanity. It is terrorizing its own people, and it is threatening the well-being of the world. Well, now we got this from the South China Morning Post. 2022 calls for China's family planning restrictions to be fully abolished gather steam. China's rapidly slowing population growth and dwindling fertility rate have sounded alarms for urgent measures to be laid out in annual policy plan. A raft of measures, policy changes and benefits are recommended by delegates of both of the two sessions in the lead up to the agenda setting meeting. So you've got these various Chinese uh, policy uh, conferences and committees that are going to be held. And this is all leading towards the National Party Congress later this year, where Xi Jinping is expected, of course, to be named chairman for life. But at the same time, there's going to be of various other policies that are coming up from the CCP. Uh, what they're saying here is China should lift all of its family planning restrictions and set, step up a pro-natalist measures to boost the country's precariously low birth rate, according to a number of representatives to the meetings that kick off on Friday, with thousands of Chinese political elites converging on Beijing to attend the annual parliamentary gatherings. A number of representatives have revealed their proposals to the central government to address the nation's worsening demographic crisis, right? And there's, uh, you know, various statistics explaining this, this population clip. Look, this is the same thing that's happening in Europe. This is the same thing that's happening in the United States. We face similar demographic issues. Now, it's not going to be as harsh because we didn't have a one-child policy. But when you look at the fertility rates going across the United States, going across Western Europe, and even in Eastern Europe, we face similar issues if we do not correct these things. Now, places like Hungary, places like Poland, they have introduced pro-natalist policies. And this is something, by the way, for the conservative movement, if you truly are the pro-family uh, movement, we have to fight against the sex and the city girl boss mindset, this idea that you can have everything and just push it off and push it off and push it off until it is too late. It's been a long week here at Human Events Daily. There is a war on. We are adamantly opposed to war but we're also opposed to war propaganda. And we're gonna call out the lies about why this started. We're gonna call out the lies about what's going on on the ground. And we are gonna stand as always with the people who are caught in the middle, whether they be Ukrainians, whether they be Americans, or people who are getting blamed that had nothing to do with why this war started. That's what we stand for here on Human Events Daily. 
the people. And remember, our oath, our promise, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework, share this out with one of your normie friends and leave us your five-star review. We are going to be in day in and night driving on this. You can follow us, of course, on Apple and Spotify. Follow me everywhere you can find uh, social media. I'm there 24-7. Before we go, today's history break. Today in 1789, the U.S. Constitution went into effect as the governing law of the United States. We have our freedoms if we fight for them and if we fight to uphold them in our country. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.